Uh, welcome to the Airbike Podcast. Uh, today is a slightly different version uh, slash episode. Uh, we've got Ian here, who we used to work with. Hello. And Ross. Hi. Uh, so we used to work with Ian at a company called Conjure. Um, me and Ross worked for them previously. Uh, it was another agency based in London. And, and we were Reading. And Reading. Well, it was Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... But we, yeah, we worked at VN for three years. I think Ross was three years. Somewhere there, yeah. Around that, around that. Years. Yeah. Um, and then since then, we've kind of diverged and got a bit emotional. But yeah. now we're back together. Yeah. To record a podcast. Reunited. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell people what you're up to now, Ian? Um, so I've bitten the bullet and gone into the sort of big smoke of London. Um, now I'm working at a cybersecurity startup called Post Quantum and we deal with sort of biometric solutions, things to do with blockchain, um and yeah, all sorts of quantum safe cryptography as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite an interesting topic in itself. Yeah. We'll yeah. probably <laughs> hardcore ex- topic ex- exhaust well. my real knowledge <laughs> and just <laughs> quite <Yeah>. quickly. <laughs> and uh do you use kind of skills that you learnt before you started so are you still doing like development web development yeah so i was still doing a load of android development um predominantly i've touched a little bit of the web stuff um as and when it's been needed um and occasionally i dive a little bit into ios as well but yeah that's few and far between (laughs) and my skills are a little bit (laughs) rusty there yeah and are you still a big advocate of Android? I know before you had an Android phone, and I still have an Android phone. Still have yeah, Android. still still got Google Pixel. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I quite like it. Like the the sort of gap has severely sort of shrunk. I think in terms of the quality of the actual devices out there now. Yeah. So the brand new Samsung phones are all pretty much on a par with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Sure, the iPhone's got a little bit more of a security benefit. Mm. Um, and I kind of think it's probably still easier to v- develop for. I don't really know for a fact, but I know even today I'm still finding a certain Android manufacturer to be quite a <laughs> difficult <laughs> issue, especially with dealing with taking pictures. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think we can name them. Okay, Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, before and I guess when we were, we were back at Conjure, we used to, uh, in terms of time spent on projects we used to i don't know if we'd sp- times it by free on android development was it like that uh it was so initially it was doubled yeah um yeah. it sort of became one and a half times oh, okay. as, I, yeah. as i got a bit faster <laughs> 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 um I s- i'd say it's it's pretty much on a par now for me um just because i've being familiar with it for so long now um the sort of you learn the tricks yeah um you've seen a lot of things before you build up your toolkit and you think okay, I can do this. Yeah. Like, there's still areas like um, touch events and things like that that I'm not too familiar with. So gestures and that kind of thing mm. is still quite new to me. But a lot of your day-to-day is quite pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And and would you say from this is... Uh, I don't I know you've, you've only got limited experience in iOS, but uh, is it is it harder to get gain experience in Android, do you think? Well, not to gain, but to feel more confident i think so uh yeah generally like the documentation is quite um 
well, it's a lot better now, but initially, like when I was first starting out, the documentation was conflicting in itself. You'd be looking at blogs rather than the actual developer yeah. documentation. Um, there's also a lot more, in my opinion, spoon feeding in iOS. So mm -hmm. they already give you MVC and that kind of framework to build off. Whereas Android, you're given one class, mm. one XML config file mm -hmm. and a layout file and told to go basically. Yep. So you have to do all the, all your architecture decisions are from you. Yep. You can have no routing and no sort of what if you presenter or anything like that, yep. or you can go as whole hog as you like. So it's really flexible, but it's, yeah, it's quite different now. And I think with the, the sort of introduction of room, mm -hmm. like for databases and things and the um, architecture components, which I think were quite recently released, um, I think that gives developers nowadays a bigger sort of foothold yeah. to start with. Yeah. And do you think the, uh, the industry in general is favorable towards Android or is it still iOS kind of it, industry you know? in what way? Like well, so, so if, um, uh, I guess consumer, the consumers, I guess, I mean, if you, if you were to launch a consumer app or if you wanted to build a product, is it still that you iOS first? Do you think? I think just because companies are more familiar with hmm. that as a model, hmm. that's probably the way things go. In actual facts, I've found it's pretty much 50-50. You yep. can pick one and succeed, or you can pick another one and succeed. Yep. But I think just because you're more prone to these device problems and much more having to focus on a scalable UI, like although iOS will scale as well, and especially has to now, hmm. it's still less so. Yep. Like there's you can you can buy all of the iOS devices. You just you go bankrupt if you bought all the Android devices. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and in terms of uh, job availability, would you? S I mean, because you're right in the industry, <laughs> <laughs> I think you know better than us than we did. In terms of how available Android developers are, uh, they're they're pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like trying to find a permanent one, they're quite hard to find. I think. Yeah. Um, especially and web as well, yep. front-end web developers that are willing to go permanent yep. are pretty much like gold dust. Yeah. Um, iOS, again, the contractor market basically is quite saturated. I think there's a lot there, um, partly because there's more money in it, there's more variety, yep. and you're not s sticking to one thing at one time yep. for too long. Yep. Um, but yeah, it is hard to find, like there's a lot of job boards out there. Yep screaming for android developers yeah. i don't really look at the ios ones because that's not quite yeah. my area but yeah. i'm sure it's pretty much the same there's yeah. there seems to just not quite be enough of them out there yeah and do you think that's i mean we've i think we've talked about this in previous podcasts in, in terms of the whole uprise of contracting and um how it affects businesses trying to build us you know a stable product yeah <laughs> so yeah so where uh, where I work now started out with, I was like one of the first permanent hires. The rest were all sort of outsourced contractors. Um, they'd be in-house, but um, one of them would be in one day a week and be yep. commuting in from Bristol, for example, which yep. is quite a long way to go to London. Yep. Um, and gradually we sort of transitioned because we need the sort of enthusiasm that a permanent employee would bring. Like they wouldn't just like after two years they wouldn't have to move on yep. and we wouldn't lose that skill set like yep. we're training them in terms of um, security knowledge as well so it's quite a task to bring them up to speed in yep. the first place and then to have that 
um, sort of knowledge walk out of the door, yep. it's, yep. you know, yep. you're losing money that way. Yeah. And do you think that's, I mean, it's obviously a huge problem. What do you think the, if you have a, <laughs> a thought of what a solution could be, do you know what it would be? A solution for hiring? Uh, yeah, a solution for, yeah, I guess a hiring, but is it a cultural thing as well to make people stay or I don't know? Yeah, so I think if if you're a, a, like attractive as a company to work for, you're going to get these people coming and applying mm. to you. Um, recruitment are always going to be sort of saying they've got all these people lined up, but you're, you're it's quite a challenge to actually sift through and see what quality of actual candidates there are out there and mm. their their skill sets whether they match up to what they say they are. Yeah. I mean, I've I've looked at several sort of candidates and found their CVs were a little bit um, embellished, shall we say, okay. um, in terms of experience levels and things. So yeah. it's quite uh, interesting for me yeah. um, to sort of go through that because before I'd never been really on the other side of an interview table yep. um, before going to this job. So yeah. And how have you found it? It's it's interesting. It's yeah. quite tiring cause, because I have to do the Android development as well yeah. and sort of the yeah. ma- oversee the front-end team yeah. being iOS, Android and yeah. web. Yeah. It's quite a... Yeah. Quite a task, and in and of yeah. itself, to recruit people. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I guess you're now based in London. Yep. And I guess I'm assuming what attracted you in London was potential job prospects. Uh, sort of. It was. It's certainly a lot easier to find somewhere that was like a reasonable sort of distance. Mm. In some ways, like although London is very far, trying to find Android jobs in Reading is like. There basically aren't any. Yep. Um, so you're going to be looking for a while. And then if you do find them, you'll find it's a recruitment firm actually that's advertising the job. You see, you can't actually find where the location of the job mm. is until you've basically applied. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, you wouldn't yeah. wouldn't know that. Yeah. And even getting through Reading in rush hour will take you a good amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, what we, yeah, again, we've, we've kind of touched on the whole uh, Reading aspect of why there's not any much tech going on at this stage. Mm. And yeah. I guess we've touched on kind of startups and how they bring jobs. And if you're a product company, then obviously there's going to be developers that are needed and things like that. So, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a big topic. Yeah. But whether that, um, whether that would pull the developers back to Reading or, or whatever, I guess it depends on the job. and. Yeah, I think there just needs to be more around yeah um one once one bigger company comes in there's going to be and more of an influx of people yeah. wanting to work here like sure we've got s- like the thames valley park just around around the corner basically where there's a huge tech scene and yeah. you've got green park where there's a huge tech team but inside yeah. inside reading itself there's not that much going on yeah. and there's certainly not the sort of levels of smaller companies that potentially are either a startup or agency or whatever yeah that you could potentially get a foot in the door or yeah. see yeah and uh, your your current company are they are they still classed as a startup yeah yeah definitely and if you were to kind of look into kind of hire or or, or things like that what, what would you say to people who are looking to go to either a corporate life or a startup life would you advocate startup life i i've not really got experience in yeah. corporate life to be honest yeah. um so i don't know what you place um conjure but yeah. i would say it's it's pretty early days yeah. um as an agency and things so it's had a lot of the startup feel yeah. anyway there was less of this process that you might have to 
go through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess um, with, with you, Ross, what would you what would you say to someone if you were to a young <laughs> aspiring developer? Would would you say to go towards corporates or would you say um, learn as much as you can? I, I haven't I haven't really been in corporates that much either. Yeah. Um, the only corporate I've kind of had is is one that after it was post startup, it was kind of leaving the startup phase and into this corporate. It was it was very different. It was a very start change. Um, it's Oh, both is <laughs> probably probably the, like the answer you got you got to try it out because there's different there's there's pros and cons of each um if you like the security um the corporate side well not security as in you <laughs> know tech security but i mean like the security of a job or um not much uh not being so volatile uh <laughs> 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 Where you gone? <laughs> <laughs> say, right? Alex keeps doing that. I, want, I know why now. Um, anyway, and um, yeah, so I'd, I'd advocate both because corporate lifestyle gives you a bit more security. But um, the startup, I'd say, but from personal experience, is a lot more fun. Obviously, you get a bit more um, exposure to, to different sides of business. Mm. So it depends on, on what you're doing. If, if you enjoy that and you you know thrive off doing stuff that you you don't regularly do, then maybe startup life. Yeah. one but it also depends on the size of startup i mean us like four person versus you know in uh, post quantum uh they're going to be you yeah. know completely different because just size yep processes and processes yeah so we yeah we obviously saw that in our days at conjure we went from a team with very little project management to lots of project management processes put in place because of the learnings we made yeah yeah and yeah. i think you get a lot of experience in a startup like a varied experience because um, no, there's not someone else that's tasked and has the skill set that can do it necessarily. Mm, yeah. So you're you're sort of like struggling a little bit, but getting by and learning all these new things, yeah. and just sort of having fun while doing it. Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You, you also get exposure to all the other in, uh, areas of the business. So yeah, if the team is kind of small, even twenty people, you, you get to get to know what what the marketing team are doing or what the design team or business yeah. team and you get to see how your products are influencing those areas as well yeah and you can sort of see in the bigger picture where what you're doing yeah. fits as well like i think in a larger corporate you might not necessarily see the output of your work yeah. um and the impact that that has but mm. being able to hand a device over with your demo app mm -hmm. running on it for your sales team to go out mm -hmm. that's quite yeah. quite a nice feeling yeah yeah that's cool an interesting movement as well is the corporates now are obviously really wary of this negative image so they are trying to spice it up and trying to come across probably a lot younger than, than what they are mm. and and using techniques because um, like we were talking about 20 you know 20 person teams where it's quite down to cultural uh, culture how they kind of share that information around like what other teams are doing there's some companies that you know they they split them off into teams and none of them really talk to each other apart yeah. from that executive level um and uh, on the flip side like i've worked in companies that were really open and really transparent we were talking about open plan office you know you can yeah. you can go and talk to anyone you want and uh, yeah that has its benefits where you, mm. you you learn a lot about it and i think that's what corporates are trying to embrace now is trying to be a bit more transparent so everyone mm. feels like they're part of a, a, a big team that's actually doing something and having tangible output yeah it, le it lets you get out what you put in as well like if you're interested in something even if it's not currently what you're doing you've got that opportunity there 
Whereas if you're sort of siloed away, you might not have that. Yeah. But that's not to say all these corporates are siloed away. Like their benefits packages are really good. They Absolutely. have these sort of big days out and team team mm-hmm. bonding sort of exercises and things. And they're all, yeah, they're all yeah. trying to be a bit bit more welcoming. I think really because yeah. they've got this competition now. It's only really the startups existing at all that's driving this change. But because they exist, they have to change. Yeah. And yeah, I guess within enterprise kind of they, they launched their own internal product teams i guess i can't remember what they call it or entrepreneur entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship yeah where, where you're kind of feeding a acting as if you're a startup but within a huge yeah um, i corporate. think i think that sounds like quite a quite a trend that's yeah. been going on it's yeah. i think it's quite good like yeah. you you're going to bond with your team you'll get a lot of experience you'll you'll have the like employee buy-in as well they'll be enthused to do more work do do it like harder work um put in the extra time if it's needed and sort of experiment to make it the best best thing they can yeah but yeah i guess um it defeats well it doesn't defeat the point but almost startups sometimes need that risk factor as well um to say like if we're not hitting this target then you know no one's got a job anymore (laughs) whereas if you're doing that in a big bubble then perhaps you have a bit more safety and maybe you're not going to push as hard i don't know possibly yeah i mean People are always different as well. Yeah, so definitely. some people are going to be more in tune with that mm-hmm. level of pressure. Some people are going to be shied away from it. Yep. And that's completely fine. Like You're not going to know unless you try. Yep. And I yeah. think that's probably the message I'd give to these aspiring developers or whatever. Yep. Just to give it a go. Apply to a job that you think you can't tick any boxes for. But yep. if the, even just the interview process, you might get a good feeling for the company. You... you you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Yep. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the topic you kind of touched upon there is it, it, different types of companies will suit different types of people. Yeah. And obviously, over the, over the years, you know, we've, we've worked together, we, we've dealt with our fair share of, of stress and anxiety and yeah. uncertainty and certainty. Um, how, how do you find your, yourself kind of coping? What do you work best in? Like what's your your preferred I like I like being really busy. Um not like crazy busy, but yeah. maybe a couple of things, two or three things on the go at once. So you've got a if you're blocked ever by one thing, you can just swap to something else and focus on that. But if you I don't wanna always be doing something as well. It's nice to have a little like mm. break every couple of weeks or so just to sort of catch up on things, tidy up the git branches and all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. That kind of like H- housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> For the mind as well, it's quite nice just to sort of take stock so you can reevaluate what you might do differently next time and that kind of thing. Um, and that's sort of what I quite like is keeping busy. Yeah. I don't I don't really have many speeds. It's kind of go or not go. Yeah. Um, I think we're all quite like-minded in that sense. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we've kind of picked that up over the years. Haven't we? Yeah. And what sort of motivates you? to? I mean, you, you like being busy, but how do you get busy? Like <laughs> how do I get busy? <laughs> who <Ooh>. gives you <laughs> <laughs> like who um who decides what you do and how do you structure that? And how do you manage how busy you are? Uh well recently we've sort of got a project manager in now. Um previously we've had sort of scrum masters and that kind of thing and in between we've sort of dealt with it ourselves mm. and split out work in teams um individually. I sort of ran a couple of projects myself. Um overseeing and developing which is quite a juggling art i think um but yeah um 
that's kind of yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah but i was kind of touching on like what how do you make sure that you're busy enough to stay sort of motivated but not you know not enough work to kind of slip a little bit yeah so there's always learning to do yeah like always even if your time. actual workload is a little light mm -hmm. you you drive yourself like i find if i am not learning something i get quite bored and a little bit sort of i don't i don't quite know what the word is um like anhedonia or something like that mm. i think fancy word um where you sort of find little satisfaction in the stuff you do yeah um okay whereas if you're if you're challenging yourself you're driving yourself so say you've found a new library you might want to use giving it a try having a play with it yeah either putting it in the bin or saying yeah i can maybe use that next time absolutely it's just nice to have that knowledge and like diving into someone else's code is quite nice as well um because you're sort of getting an insight into how they piece things together because Obviously, when you're making something, if you're the only person making that, which is quite often what I end up doing, like there is one other Android developer, but it is mostly my work that I do. Mm. Um, so there's not a whole lot of collaboration and discussion on um, the sort of best practices to do. So I just, like when I first started, I went from no sort of real code structure. I sort of had some, but then I went to the MVP route and I just sort of bit the bullet there, went straight into RxJava, which is, in hindsight, a big sort of scary move, but I got everything sort of done in time and tested as well. That was the, my biggest motivation yeah. at, at that time was I want things tested before I sort of ship them, yep. especially when you're dealing with APIs and mm -hmm. interactions like that. You've got to have this sort of robust. Yep. So you're setting kind of micro challenges for yourself. No, no one's told you kind of it has to be this way. Obviously, some might say yeah. about testing, but no one said it has to be made in this way but you're still setting those challenges to keep yourself motivated. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sounds sensible. It's a good tip. Good tip. Okay. So we finished there. So, um, yeah. Thanks, Ian, for coming in. Yeah. Cool. Wh where Thank can people uh, find you? Twitter? Uh, yeah, you might find me on Twitter. Um, it's ianfield90. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on Medium as well. I do a little bit of blogging every now and then. They're kind of opinion pieces, I suppose. Um, but they're really good. Yep. Check them out. Thanks. Um, and right. that's pretty much it alright thanks for listening <laughs>